you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn with me this morning uh, to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, and specifically Psalm 91. As my, um, as my kids would say, it's, it's been a minute since we've been into, in the Psalter. It's been a minute, that's what they say these days. Um, but if you know me, you know that I love the Psalms. Over the course of my ministry, I counted, I've preached 40 different Psalms and uh, kind of couldn't believe that I had never preached or taught on Psalm 91, which is where we find ourselves this morning. Well, why are we here? you might be asking. Well, we've just finished our study of the book of Ruth. For those of you who have been here or have been watching online, you know that. We are about to return to our study in the book of Galatians. However, it's a new year. It's the first Lord's Day of 2021. And so I thought before we get back into our our normal rhythm of doing things that we'd spend some time here. It's a good place for us to be. In one sense, in a small sense, we, we actually began our year in this psalm. Early on in the COVID-19 pandemic, The session communicated with you as a congregation, and some of the verses that we find in this psalm were verses that we communicated to you in hopes that your hearts would be encouraged in the midst of pestilence. In a small sense, we also ended our year in this psalm. Just a couple weeks ago, when we were in Ruth chapter 2, looking at the story of Ruth and Boaz, and Boaz taking the garment and covering, covering Ruth and taking refuge, her taking refuge in the shadow of of his wings and the refuge of his wings, that was an image that came in part out of Psalm 91. So I've been thinking about Psalm 91 for for a little bit. And I thought, as we start a new year, let's press in just a little bit deeper to what we find here, that it might not only set us up for a year of of living in wisdom, because that's what we find here is wisdom for living, but that it might continually be our prayer and our striving for the entire year, indeed for our entire lives. Now before I read the psalm, I know this is a little bit of a lengthy introduction. Before I read the psalm, we don't know who wrote this psalm. The translators of the Septuagint, which is the um, Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, they want to ascribe it to David, but they want to ascribe everything to David. Some people think that Moses wrote Psalm 91, After all, the editors, those who compiled the Psalms and put them into what we now know as the Psalter, they put Psalm 91 right after Psalm 90, which we do know was written by Moses. 
And Psalm 91 has some similarities of, of language. And certainly as we think about Moses' situation, wandering in the wilderness with God's people, the truth that we find here in Psalm 91 certainly would fit that context. But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, we don't need to know who wrote the psalm. It doesn't matter if it's David, it doesn't matter if it's Moses, because we know that the Holy Spirit wrote this ultimately. You can ask Jesus who the earthly writer was later. Later, I mean like when you meet him, not like tonight. I'm not sure he's going to tell you tonight, but but the Holy Spirit has given this to us. He has preserved this for us. He has inspired this for us, and it's just as applicable in the beginning of 2021 as it was in whatever B.C. And so let's turn our attention to it. I invite you to listen with me. I also invite you who are present to stand out of honor of God's word if you're willing and able to do so. Psalm 91, just let these words wash over you. Listen as I read. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Glory be to the Father.
Go ahead and be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, we could come at this psalm in a number of different ways this morning, but here, in this time and place, I want to focus on just one phrase, just one phrase to sum up the entire psalm. And just a quick word to our kids. So you're going to get this one phrase and you're going to think you're done with your note-taking because Pastor Nate just got one point this morning. But you're not done. After you write down this one phrase, I want you to listen for some of the names of God, some of the images of God that we find and that you'll hear. So listen for more than just this one phrase. But let's begin here. Let fear foster fearlessness. Let fear foster fearlessness. We have just flipped the calendar on, you've heard it before, an unprecedented year. A year of instability, a year of political drama and conflict, but most vividly, a year of fear, real fears, a deadly virus that you might not even know that you're carrying, and yet has the ability to kill the weak. Riots and looting, vandalism in in our city streets. For some of us, job loss and insecurity. Real fears. What will 2021 bring? What about this new virus? Uh, what about this new virus strain that we're now hearing about and everyone's talking about? It's not going to end. You see, the dangers that we've experienced, the dangers that are still unknown to us, can be paralyzing for us. And indeed, for some, they can be simply too much to take which is why the suicide rate in our country has never been higher than when it was way back in World War II when it seemed like the world was falling apart. But what if, what if we could be free from those types of fears? What if we could at least loosen the grip of fear in our lives? No matter what 2021 brings, what if we could live, you and I, with less anxiety and more joy? That's what Psalm 91 offers to us. And it begins by replacing fear with a different kind of fear. Let me explain and let's jump in. Proverbs 1.7. Many of you can quote it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of wisdom. That's where the psalmist begins, and that's where he invites us to begin as well, with a portrait of who God is, this God that we have come to worship and hear from this morning. Now, one of the things I want you to see about this psalm, and you can see it if you have it there before you in your laps or at home if you're looking on your devices, that this psalm can be divided into three sections by way of its pronouns. So verses 1 and 2, the writer of the psalm is declaring his own faith, right? I will say to the Lord, to the one whom I trust, I and my are the dominant pronouns. And then in verses 3 through 13, which is the main body of the psalm, he spells out for us, for you and I, what is offered to those who follow in his footsteps, who trust in this God. You, 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 he says. And then in verses 14 through 16, we hear a different voice, a divine eye, the Lord himself speaking his commitment over his people. I probably should have said that before I read the psalm. It would help you hear it a little bit better and a little bit more accurately. But it's the psalmist's declaration of verses 1 and 2 that begins to paint this picture for us. Four different metaphors and four divine names are given, all reminding us that this is a God to be feared, to be revered. Let's just work through them really quickly. The first one, Elion, is the Hebrew, translated here as most high. This is not a little, local, or limited God. This is the God who is above every person, who is above every pestilence, who is above every power. This God, the Most High, invites you into his shelter, into his place of refuge and rest. And then Shaddai, translated here as Almighty. It's only used here and one other time in the Psalter, in Psalm 68. The Almighty is just that, the one with all the power in the world, and infinitely so. This God invites you into His shadow, into His protection from whatever is going on in the world. Elion and Shaddai, we hear those two words, we hear those two names in the first verse, and it seems awesome, doesn't it? I mean, it seems intense. It seems almost scary. Which is why the psalmist quickly backfills those Terrible names. With the name Yahweh. Translated in your Bibles as Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is the name of the God who makes covenant with his people. This is I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what does the psalmist declare about this fearful God, the one who is Yahweh, I am? He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. 
He is the one whom I trust. Now suddenly, this this fearful, distant, awesome God has been brought near, has come close, and he has come close to us by way of the the covenant, this condescending relationship that God has entered into with man. And for us who sit here this morning, for us who listen this morning, he has never been closer because the God of covenant has come in the person of Jesus, in the new covenant. The psalmist never experienced that kind of intimacy where the covenant God, the spirit of the covenant God is in every one of us and is in this place right now. He is here. Now let's just pause right there. Because I have to say this, the security and the peace and the shelter of this psalm, based upon everything we just talked about, is not for everyone. In other words, you can't just hear these words and think that they speak to you unless you know this God unless you are in relationship with this deity. Psalm 25, 14 says, the friendship of Yahweh is for those who fear Him. And then the end of verse 14, in our very psalm this morning, I will protect Him, Yahweh says, because He knows me. And that's not just intellectual knowledge, knowing about something. That is knowing like being in fellowship, being in relationship with him. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Truly knowing him, though, creates fear that fosters fearlessness. That's what God's Word says. And that's what we're after. That's what the psalmist holds out through all this this rich imagery. Verse 3, deliverance from the snare of a fowler. In other words, from the schemes of those who would come against the righteous, against God's people. Verse 3, from the pestilence, from unseen enemies that war against our flesh as creatures. One thinks of, of the plagues that God sent upon his enemies. Arrows that fly by day and terrors of night. Verse Five, Yahweh protects from warfare and harm caused by those who attack. Terrible things. All addressed by the promise of verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. And it's this image, this poetic personification that is so powerful to me. I love this image. Do you all know about the great eagles of Tolkien's books? You don't have to read the books. They're all over the movies as well. Just search on YouTube this afternoon. The eagles are coming. 
The great eagles are these enormous birds of strength who actually are bigger in the written stories than they are in the movies, but in the movies they're immense and they appear over and over again to protect and to fight for the fellowship of the ring. See, that's the picture that the Lord gives his people here. A mighty great eagle whose wings envelop you with tenderness and care. The kind of care that a father and a mother ought to give to their children. Intimate care. Jesus himself will will take this imagery. Though Jesus brings it way down from the great eagles of Tolkien. Tolkien wasn't there yet. Jesus was before Tolkien just so we get the timeline right. But Jesus will bring that great eagle imagery down to the, the barnyards of first century Jerusalem. Matthew 23, 37, he says this, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing You see, the psalmist gives us this incredible picture of of chaos all around, and yet we're somehow simply watching it all unharmed. A thousand may fall at your side, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. No plague come near. So as we look to Jesus, as we hide in Jesus, all these promises flood to our hearts and the Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our shelter. The Lord is our fortress. But what does that mean? I mean, what is really being promised here? How ought we understand this? We could take it absolutely literally. I was listening to a beautiful song of Psalm 91. Psalm 91 put to music. I was listening to a beautiful song. I didn't own the song, so I was listening to it on on YouTube. And as I was listening to this song of Psalm 91, I scrolled down and I, I started reading some of the comments about this song. And the top comment was apparently made by an American soldier who had been stationed in Afghanistan and someone had read this psalm to him and and it assured him, he said, that he would survive, that he wouldn't die on the battlefield and behold, here he is writing this comment on YouTube, the Lord is faithful. Scrolled a couple more times down. Another comment says this. I stand on this psalm during the virus concern of 2020. Nothing shall come near to my dwelling. Brothers and sisters, this is, those comments do not reflect what this psalm is saying. What about Stephen, who was stoned for his faith? What about Paul, who was thrown in prison? Do we not think that those five Nigerian men trusted in the Lord as their dwelling place and as their fortress before they were shot and beheaded? 
Do we not think that some of the saints who have died with COVID believe this psalm as well? Of course they did. So we can't take this just literally. It's not some magic mantra to speak. So maybe then we ought to take it all in the future. I'm going to say a word that I was taught to never say in seminary. They said, never say this word in the pulpit. Maybe we ought to take it all eschatologically, having to do with the end. These assurances, they're just for our future home, the heavenly kingdom of God. Is that how we're supposed to take this song? There's a beautiful quote from Charles Spurgeon. You guys know that name. The old Baptist preacher, eloquent man. He says this, it is impossible that any ill should happen to the man or woman who is beloved of the Lord. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and hasten him to his reward. Ill to him is no ill, but only good in mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honor. Death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled for good. Happy is he who is in such a case. He is secure where others are in peril. He lives where others die. It's a great quote, eloquent quote. Is that how we apply this psalm? It's all about the end. I mean, I, I, I agree that Spurgeon's words are true. But I think the psalm is offering something more. And so here's how I want you to think about it. Here's how I want you to think about what is being promised. There's something for now, and there's something for later. Or as theologians like to say, there's an already, and there's a not yet. I think we understand these words as something in between literal and delayed until the kingdom come. I think there's both. I think there's both as God's people take this prayer upon their lips. You see, Spurgeon's words about the psalm, they remind us that this psalm is kind of like the Old Testament version of Romans 8.28. That God works for the good of all those who love him. And that promise of an inheritance to come, that hope, we would say, for the future, really does change our outlook for today. No matter how grim, the Christian who is secure in this life, secure in the life that is still to come, can bring the security of his heart and mind into the present chaos of the world. But there is an already too. Because I'm not going to stop praying, and I don't want you to stop praying, about the chaos, believing that God can and will change our circumstances. I'm going to pray for the safety of my children. I'm going to pray for the healing of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because I believe that God still heals. 
contrary to medicine, contrary to science, he still does shield in supernatural ways. You see, the psalmist even points us in this direction in in verses 11 through 13 when he brings up the care of angels. Angels are rarely spoken of in the Psalter. And yet here we are reminded of this whole enchanted realm that is part of our reality, though we can't see it and we rarely ever think about it. And it's not just the mention of angels. This imagery in verse 13 of of the lion and the adder brings to mind the ancient serpent of Genesis 3 and Revelation 20. Brings to mind the, the roaring lion in 1 Peter seeking whom he may devour. You see, God does protect here and now. Not just spiritually, yes, in the spiritual realm, but physically in, in time and space. He sends his angels to guard us, to protect us in the big moments of life, in the mundane of life. And so this psalm, or this, this psalm is in part a reminder for us to think more about the enchanted. To think more about that which we can't see. So while God doesn't promise that you won't get cancer, This psalm is not promising that a loved one won't die. He does promise that no matter what you face, it's not a surprise to Him, and He will uphold you. He will be your shelter. He will be your fortress. Psalm 37, 17, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Psalm 54, 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. And He wants you to call out to Him in trouble. He will answer. He will hear. He will protect. I saw a billboard this week, I guess it was a poster, on the window of the Pfizer headquarters in New York City. And it's a trademarked phrase, three words, science will win. And I thought about that phrase and I said, man, we as God's people, We ought to declare and give thanks to God for science, but God's Word offers us something much better. God's Word offers us freedom far better and more secure than a vaccine. Through the things we can see and through the things that we can't. Let me read another quote by John Calvin. He says this, when we look back on our life from the perspective of eternity, we are going to see that the power of Satan was so great that the weakness of our flesh was feeble and that the hostility of the world so strong that every day of our lives, if God had not intervened, we would have never made it through 
a day. Brothers and sisters, it's, it's trust and fear in this God. A God mighty like no other, but who hasn't stayed distant from us, but has come in the condescending love of Jesus that cultivates in us fearlessness. Because he is for us, not just in the end. He is for us now. Psalm 112, verses 6 to 8 say this, For the righteous will never be moved. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. That's what I want in 2021. I hope that's what you want in 2021. I hope that's what God gives you in 2021. But this psalm is not just a psalm of of usefulness, of a means to an end. That end being no fear or less fear or less anxiety. This is a psalm of, of leaving and cleaving. We often hear that most when we talk about marriage. For a man shall leave his mother and father, cling to his spouse. But it's the same imagery that we are given here in verse 14. We must hold fast to this God, even as he holds fast to us. And so what will, what will this look like, holding fast to this God for you in, in 2021? Just more of the status quo or something more? Something more intentional. Steady minds have minds, or excuse me, steady hearts must have minds that are firmly grounded in truth. We're pretty good at that as Reformed Presbyterians. But there must be more than that. There must be a holding fast in love. There must be an abiding in love, a fellowship that's that's real and vibrant, like, like vine and branches, as Jesus says in the book of John. And of course, this is not a 2021 project. This is a this is a lifelong pursuit for us. a lifelong pursuit to learn what it means to live as a son and as a daughter of the Most High. A son and a daughter in a crazy world. But because of the one who calls us his own, we need not fear. Our hearts can be steady. If you looked at the bulletin this morning, the PDF that was sent out, there was a quote in the quieting our hearts for worship section. It's from the fourth century early church father Athanasius, who is the bishop of Alexandria in Egypt, and he says this, if you desire to establish yourself 
and others in devotion to know what confidence is to be reposed in God and what makes the mind fearless, you will praise God by reciting the 91st Psalm. Brothers and sisters, let God's tender love lead you to abiding love, that in abiding love you might find peace. You might find release from fear. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for its imagery. We thank you for its promise. Father, we pray, I pray, that as we start this year as individuals, as families, as a church body, that you would steady us, that you would stabilize us. Father, we don't want to be so easily tossed to and fro by this news report or that news report or by this calamity or, or that calamity. But we want to trust. We want to not fear as we look to the God who is worthy of all praise and glory and honor and majesty and yet who is with us. who abides with us by His Spirit. Oh, Father, do that work in us, we pray, by Your grace, for our good, and for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.